Before I start uh, on the topic of today's sermon, I just want to touch a little bit on last week's uh, sermon. Uh, and after speaking with Pastor Dave and Pastor Matt, and after a time of uh, reflection and introspection, I realized that uh, I didn't serve you as uh, well as I could have with the sermon that I touched on, the, the sermon on uh, the dangers of complaining. Um, and I, I realized that there were four areas in which I could have served you better. Uh, and the first area is uh, with regard to the heavy nature of the topic. Now, the, to the subject of uh, negative complaining is a heavy subject. It is, and it's a heavy subject that we need to approach with uh, a heavy heart. And I think I, I, think I did that uh, well enough. What I didn't do well enough is bring light to the darkness uh, to give you a way that uh, you can uh, deal with uh, times of complaining in an effective way that brings life uh, and not just makes you feel convicted or condemned about complaining. Secondly, I didn't convey that in Scripture there are indeed times where uh, the people of God complain. If we look at uh, the book of Psalms, uh, David, uh, Asaph, the sons of Korah, all take time to complain uh, to God about uh, whether it's about their situation or, or whether it's about what God is or isn't doing. I think of the book of Lamentations. It's just one long book of complaints to God. I think of Job, the most righteous man ever, as God calls him. Uh, he complains bitterly to God. And so I didn't touch on that, and in that I didn't serve you as well as I could have. Thirdly, I didn't, I didn't indicate that there are appropriate times for you to complain. I effectively muzzled you and said, that's it. Your only options are to not complain or to not complain. Uh, and so I, I effectively muzzled you. And then the, the fourth, and, and this one really for me is, is one that I take very seriously, and that is I put, a, I put an obstacle between uh, yourself and myself because I said to you, no complaining, just stop it, zero complaints. Now that means immediately if you have a concern that you want to come speak to me about, your natural thought is what? Yeah, Pastor Darren's going to think I'm complaining. And so I unintentionally created a barrier between us. So I want to do two things. Firstly, I do want to apologize uh, sincerely that I didn't serve you as well as I uh, could have. You ask uh, anyone who uh, preaches or teaches to uh, children, children in children's ministry or, or up here behind the pulpit, uh, preaching is a a job, or not a job, it's a calling that we take very seriously, and we are obligated uh, to serve you well. So that's the first thing I want to do. The second thing I want to do is, in the new year, I'm going to take a, a sermon, uh, who am I kidding, I'm a preacher, I'm going to take two or three sermons to, to look at how we can complain to God, not to others, but to God, in a biblical way. So I will do that in the new year. Okay, on to our sermon for this morning. And this morning we're looking at the sin and the danger of negative criticism. Now before we look at negative criticism, we do need to note that in 
contrast to negative criticism, there is, co there is constructive criticism. And constructive criticism is good, uh, and it's right, uh, and it's healthy, uh, and um, above all, it's biblical. So constructive criticism is biblical. We see this in that Jesus himself provides constructive criticism on occasions to his disciples or to other people to enable them to grow in their faith, to journey in their faith. We, we think of Nicodemus uh, in John 3 who comes to Jesus at night and him and Jesus start a discussion about uh, a faith journey being as if you're born again. And Jesus says to Nicodemus, you must not only be born of water, in other words, natural birth, you also need to be born of the Spirit. And Nicodemus just doesn't get it. He just it doesn't, he doesn't understand what Jesus is saying. And when he says that to Jesus, like, how could this be? Jesus gives him a, a, a subtle criticism of who he is and, and how he should understand better. Jesus says to him, how is it that you, a leader of the religious establishment, don't get it? It's a subtle criticism, but it's effective because what do we see at the end of John? Nicodemus is a follower of Jesus. So there is constructive criticism that uh, Jesus gives. So constructive criticism is uh, biblical. And secondly, we are encouraged to give uh, good, constructive criticism. Paul to the church in Ephesus reminds them to speak the truth in love. Uh, we're encouraged to give constructive cr criticism because it's very helpful. This last week in our staff meeting, uh, Pastor Dave and Pastor Matt and myself, we had a, a good, hard, open, honest, constructive discussion about last week's sermon, and we spoke about what, we, what uh, I could have done better, what we, we, we could have done better, and the discussion was truthful, uh, and it was open, uh, and most of all, it was kind and seasoned with salt, and because of that, it was a very helpful discussion. And thirdly, the Bible speaks very clearly about the benefits of constructive criticism, and Solomon's the one who says this repeatedly. So Solomon says, to the one who listens, a valid criticism is like a gold earring or other gold jewelry. He also says, if you listen to constructive criticism, you will be at home among the wise. There is a tremendous difference, though, between constructive criticism and negative criticism. And there is always a time and a place and a need for good, kind, healthy, constructive criticism. There's always a time for that. But there is a vast chasm between constructive criticism and negative criticism. And it is so important that we can learn to distinguish between the two. As followers of Jesus... As we mature, as uh, those who follow Christ, we must learn to effectively distinguish between healthy, constructive criticism and unhealthy, negative criticism. And the reason we need to learn to do that is because the one is healthy and the other is 
not. The one brings light, the other one brings darkness. The one brings hope, and the other brings despair. The one we should pursue, and the one we should avoid at all costs. So what is negative criticism? Now, this is my own definition. I'm sure there are better ones, but this is the definition as I thought about this sermon that I kind of settled on. So, in uh, Darren's Oxford Dictionary, negative criticism is the following. Negative criticism is the act of unfairly and unnecessarily finding fault with a person in a way that is judgmental, unhelpful, unsolicited, and most often untrue or inaccurate. There is a massive difference between negative criticism and constructive criticism. And negative criticism is dangerous, it's destructive, it's devastating, and it's damaging. And so we have to comprehend and understand just what the characteristics of negative criticisms are. And the first characteristic of negative criticism is that it is first and most importantly, simply unbiblical. Giving harsh, negative, unhealthy criticism is simply unbiblical. Paul, to the church in Rome, says this, Who are you to judge someone else's servant? You then, why do you judge your brother or sister? Why do you treat them with contempt? So then, each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. To the churches in Corinth, Paul also writes, Therefore, judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait until the Lord comes. He will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and will expose the motives of the heart. James put it this way. He says, don't speak evil against each other, dear brothers and sisters. If you criticize and judge each other, then you are criticizing and judging God's law. And the Greek word for judge here is very, very telling. It's the word krino, and the word means two things. Uh, firstly, it means to pronounce or to, to have an opinion on what, whether or not something is right or wrong. Okay, so it's having an opinion as to whether something is right or wrong. But it has a secondary meaning. And this is where the secondary meaning is really helpful in understanding uh, negative criticism. The, the secondary meaning is this. The word krino also means to selectively pick and choose. Isn't that negative criticism? We, we choose not only to decide in our own hearts what right or wrong, but, but we selectively choose and pick what we think is right or wrong. The second characteristic of negative criticism is that it is completely unhelpful. Negative, negative criticism is not only unbiblical, it's just unhelpful. When we negatively criticize, we don't add any value into the person's life. And despite what we think, or despite what we claim our intentions are, when we negatively criticize someone, we don't help them in any way, shape, or form. The righteous man Job experiences this very thing. He, he, he has these just untold suffering, losing family and property and health, 
one tragedy after another. And his friends, instead of building him up, criticize him. And Job, in response to their criticism, says this. He says, one should be kind to a a fainting friend, but you accuse me without the fear of the Almighty. My brothers, you have proved as unreliable as a seasonal brook that overflows its bank in the spring when it is swollen with ice and melting snow. But when the hot weather arrives, the water disappears. The brook vanishes in the heat. And then he says this, you two have given me no help. Teach me. I'll be quiet. Show me what I've done wrong. Honest words can be painful, but what do your criticisms amount to? Negative criticisms are unbiblical and they're unhelpful. Paul says to the Christians in Ephesus, he gives them the following command. He says, no foul language should come from your mouth, but only what is good for building up someone in need so that it gives grace to those who year. And the Greek word year is again, it's very telling. And the Greek word year for, uh, for foul language means two things. It means something which is corrupt or rotten. It also means something that was once healthy or once beneficial, but is now no longer helpful or beneficial at all. Think about that computer that you have tucked away somewhere from the 1980s. Those those laptops that weighed like 40 kilograms. And now they're useless. I mean, they were great for solitaire in 1983, but now they're, they're nothing. They're useless. That's the imagery that this word foul language is directed to. Now, what do we think when we hear the word foul language? Our go-to is cuss words, right? That's our go-to when we hear that word foul language. But, 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 but the meaning of the word is far, far worse than cuss words. It's far, far worse and cuss words, and because Paul tells us what he means by the term foul language. He says, foul language is the opposite of building others up, giving grace to those who hear them. So Paul's saying, in other words, when our words do not build others up, when our words do not bring grace to the people we're speaking to, Those words that we're speaking are nothing more than foul, useless language. Again, when we think foul language, we think cuss words. But the the sad, hard, cold truth is that some Christians never swear. Some Christians never cuss. But still, the words that come out of their mouths are foul Rotten, corrupt, have no value. And someone may very well drop the occasional F-bomb. They may have a dirty mouth. But still, they may have a far cleaner heart than someone who never swears, who has a clean mouth but a dirty, critical heart. 
The third characteristic of negative criticism is that not only is it unbiblical and unhelpful, but we have to be careful because negative criticism could lean towards just pure evil. James again says, Among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness, corrupting the entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. See, when we criticize others, we align ourselves not only with evil, but with the evil one. And again, I know this is heavy. But the critic, the negative critic, and I do this all the time, I find that it's, I, 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 I tell myself that it's my job to point out where others are wrong. It's my job. I, I must go and tell them. I, I must go and correct them. And when I do that, I'm essentially laying accusations against them. Do you know who else is called the accuser? Satan himself. When we criticize, when we accuse others, we align ourselves with evil and the evil one. The fourth characteristic of negative criticism is that it carries with it an element of arrogance. Now, again, if I'm going to be brutally honest, I see this in my own life over and over again. And there's one area of my life where it pops up all the time. When I get on the BC1, I'm critical of everyone around me. Anyone going slower than me is a moron. And anyone going faster is an idiot. It's so easy to criticize. See, criticism, negative criticism carries with it this element of arrogance. You see, when we criticize others for what they have said or not said, for what they have done or not done, we assume that we know far more than them. That unlike them, we have the whole picture. That given our obviously far superior knowledge, we would have done things differently. And to be honest, that's arrogance, right? Oswald Chambers in his book, My Utmost for His Highest, highest writes this. He says, Criticism serves to make you harsh, vindictive, and cruel, and leaves you with the soothing and flattering idea that you are somehow superior to others. Let me give you another example from my own life. And shockingly, it happened this week while I was preparing a sermon on criticism. So while I'm preparing a sermon on negative criticism, I found myself negatively criticizing someone else. And that person was uh, Christia Freeland. Now, this is not about Christia Freeland. This is not about her policies. This is not about how well or, or how poorly she's managing her role as finance minister. It's not about that. So don't get, don't get distracted. I'm telling you why I was critical of her to point out how my negative criticism pointed to my own 
arrogance. That's the point of this illustration. So please don't, don't, don't get distracted by who I'm talking about. But I was talking to my brother-in-law. And I said to him, I said, you know, Evs, when I studied marketing and advertising so many years ago, I studied a subject on the uh, complexities of the mixed, mixed market economic system. And you know, Evs, I think Christian Freeland is useless. There's so many other ways to deal with inflation. There's so many other ways to cut down on the cost of living. She's clueless. She's useless. She doesn't know what she's doing. She obviously has no idea about the economics of a mixed market system. Let's put this in context. I have one year of study in economics. One year, it was a minor subject, and I barely passed. Christian Freeland, on the other hand, got a degree from Harvard. Then she went on to get a degree from Oxford. She was the editor of the Financial Times, then the editor of the Globe and Mail, then the editor of Reuters. She has written two books on economics. And so do you see my arrogance in negatively criticizing how she's dealing with the, the, the economic troubles plaguing us as Canadians? She has degrees and experiences, and, and she's written books, but my one year of economics made me far superior. If I was finance minister, you'd all be driving big trucks and gas will be like 20 cents a gallon. Arrogance. The fifth characteristic of negative criticism is, is that it, it's the lazy option. Criticism is laziness. Because let's be honest, it's easy to criticize. Because the alternative to criticizing is what? Get your hands dirty. Get stuck in there. Be helpful of whatever needs to be fixed. Criticism is it's the lazy option. James says this, he says, Don't criticize one another, brothers and sisters. If you criticize and judge each other, then you are criticizing and judging God's law. If you judge the law, you're not a doer, but a judge. There's one lawgiver and judge who is able to save and destroy, but who are you to judge your neighbor? See, James tells us this. He says, James says, you have two options. You have two options. You can do or you can criticize. You can do or you can criticize those who do. Option A or option B. And at the end of the day, that's absolutely true. At the end of the day, there are those who do. 
and there are those who criticize those who do. Because it's a lot easier to criticize those who do than to be amongst those who do. The final characteristic of negative criticism, and I, I, I know many of you are going to resonate with this. The final characteristic of negative criticism is that more often than not, it is uninvited. I regularly get, get good, comprehensive, constructive criticism from people I trust. People are, I've invited to give me feedback in order to help me grow as a husband or a, a, father, a father or a pastor or a follower of Jesus. On the other hand, I also get regular criticism that I have not asked for from people I haven't invited into my life to criticize how I'm living my life. And yet they will give me unrequested, unsolicited, unasked for criticism. And more often than not, it's negative. It's unhelpful. And, and this happens to me a lot, and I'm sure it happens to you as well. Uninvited criticism is more often than not, not constructive criticism. And because negative criticism is unbiblical and unhelpful and unhealthy, we, we have to see how dangerous it is. I just want to draw attention to a few dangers. The first is that, and probably the most serious, is that because we all sin, because we all have faults, because none of us is perfect, when we critically uh, uh, criticize others negatively, we place ourselves under God's judgment. Do you understand the depth of that? Do you understand the gravity and the weight of what negative criticism does to you? It's a spiritual truth that Paul teaches to the Christians in Rome. He says, you therefore have no excuse. You pass judgment on someone else for at whatever point you judge another, you are condemning yourself. Because you who pass judgment do the same things. So when you, a mere human, pass judgment on them and yet do the same things, do you think you will escape God's judgment? More importantly, Jesus also teaches the spiritual truth. Jesus says, do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. You know, when I'm, if I'm honest, that verse by Jesus just scares the heebie-jeebies out of me. Do we say heebie-jeebies? Okay, it scares the living daylights out of me because I've been so critical of others in the past. In the, in the past, I've used such a harsh measure to judge others. And when I've done that, I've put myself in danger by that same measure being applied to me. The second danger of negative criticism is that when we, when we criticize others negatively and, and we, we get into a habit of doing it, we start to develop a critical spirit. We're all prone to criticize, without exception. 
And often our criticizing does start off with good intentions. We mean good. But very quickly that develops into impure motives. And we start by criticizing one or two elements. And before we know it, we're criticizing far more. And we've reached the point where we have a critical spirit. Because negative criticism is so dangerous, we also need to look at the consequences of negative criticism. The consequences of negative criticism are very serious. Firstly, a critical spirit damages our own reputation. If you're the one giving negative criticism, it damages your reputation. I don't know if you've ever thought of that. So these are my two best mates in South Africa, Dave and Colin. And for around 20 years, we've been accountability partners. For about 20 years, we regularly, we used to get together in South Africa, now it's good old Zoom, but we regularly get together to speak into each other's lives in regard to our faith, whether we're being a good husband or whether we're sucking as a husband, whether we're being a good father or whether we're, our health, whether we're eating way too many McDonald's. And Colin and Dave will always, outside of those Zoom calls where we're so honest with each other, but outside of that, Colin and Dave always are so encouraging. Now, if Dave and Colin, my two best mates in South Africa, who regularly speak life and light into my life, if they were to say to me, hey, Darren, we have a criticism of what you've said or done or not said or not done, if they were to sit down and criticize me, even if, even if it was harsh, because they are South Africans after all, but even if they were to harshly criticize me, I would receive it. I would, I would take it in. I would, I would bury their criticism in my heart. Why? Because I know their heart. I know that they encourage as much as they can. My experience is that they're always encouraging. They're always adding salt to their discussions with me. They're always looking at bringing grace. And so when they do criticize, I listen. Because I know them. I know their heart. How much weight... Do we give to criticism from someone who we trust, who always gives us encouragement as much as they can? How much weight do we give to their criticisms when they give it? A tremendous amount. A massive amount. Huge amount. But what about the person who's a consistent negative critic. How much weight do we give their criticism when they speak it into our lives? How much weight? Nothing. Nada. Zil. Zero. Absolutely nothing. When I'm consistently negatively critical, I damage my own reputation. Secondly, when we are consistently negatively critical, 
we damage everyone else. When we criticize, we cause distress, distress. We cause resentment. We cause bitterness. When we have a critical spirit, nobody wins. Nobody. Negative criticism injures everybody. Negative criticism harms the whole body. Paul says that criticism is the opposite of love and harms everyone. He writes to the churches in the area of Galatea. He says the whole law is fulfilled in one statement. Love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out. Or you will be consumed by one another. I think it might be helpful also to understand the causes of negative criticism. I want, I want to touch on two. Firstly, our, our discontentment and un unhappiness with our lot in life can cause us to criticize others. So very often we criticize others not because we are unhappy with them, but because we are unhappy with ourselves. Because we're desperately unhappy inside, we feel the need to lash out. Kim and I tell our girls all the time to remember that hurting people hurt people. Hurting people hurt people. And often when you meet people who constantly negative uh, critically, you can be pretty sure that they're suffering inside, that they have a poor image of themselves. And when this is the case with us, criticizing others and finding faults with others keeps us from seeing and feeling and recognizing our own shortcomings. When it comes to criticism, we don't see others as they are. We see others as we are. The second, negative, uh, sec second neg negative criticism could be an indication that there may be a lack of spiritual maturity in some or other area of our life. James tells us this. He says, if you claim to be religious but don't control your tongue, you're fooling yourself. Negative criticism could be a sign of immaturity. See, because mature people recognize that nobody's perfect. Spiritually mature people recognize that we all sin, we all have faults, we, we, we all could be criticized if we thought about it. Spiritual, spiritually mature followers understand that. And so they, they make allowances for that. They look at others and they see that they have issues, but they recognize that they have issues as well. When we're negatively critical, we, we reach a point where we're somewhat spiritually immature because we don't recognize that, that other people have faults, but so do we. Solomon tells us that some people make cutting remarks, but the words of the wise bring healing. In other words, if you are wise, your words bring healing. If that's not the case, you're unwise, and your words are cutting. Okay, so that's important. Let's make this practical and, and applicable to our lives. So firstly, what if you are the critic? What if you are the negative critic? I'm not talking about constructive criticism yet. I'm asking, what if you are the one who has the critical spirit? The two things you do, you could do. If you're brave enough, you could ask someone close to you to tell you if you have a critical spirit. Now, to be fair, 
for self-preservation reasons, they may not tell you. But the second thing you could do is you could ask yourself some questions. And these are the questions I feel like I've, I'm forced to, to ask myself when I, I recognize that I'm being overly negatively critical. So these are the questions I ask myself, and I'm directing them at myself because I'm, I've written them down, and I ask myself them. So feel free to ask yourself the following questions if you feel it's applicable. But this is what I ask myself. I say, Darren, are you, are you seeing the positive or the negative? Are you seeing what's right or are you seeing what's wrong? Are you seeing what's good or are you seeing what's bad? Am I leaning towards seeing what someone did well or am I leaning towards seeing what they didn't do well? Second question I ask is this. When others have been with me, do they leave motivate, motivated or demotivated? When I've been with people, are they, are they encouraged or do they leave discouraged? When I've spoken with people or spent time with people, do they, do they leave with a sense of light in their, in, in their spirits or do they leave with a sense of darkness? Third question that I ask myself, and this is the clincher I have to ask myself, Darren, are you hard to please? Would others say of me that I, I tend to find fault everywhere? I'm really hard to please. Paul describes me in a nutshell when he writes to Titus. He says, to the pure, everything is pure. But to those who are defiled, nothing is pure. Fourth question that I have to ask myself, and this is, again is a big one, and that is, what's my average joy level? I mean, let's be honest. You know, I, I, our, our lives, our joy goes up and down. You know, you have a fantastic call with someone in, in your family, and you just, it's just uplifting, and, and it's fun. Joy goes up. Canucks lose, joy goes down. <laughs> Just up and down. And, and I'm also not talking about the very serious issues of mental health issues of, of, of depression or anxiety. I'm not talking about that. I'm, I'm talking as a whole. I have to ask myself, what's my average joy level? Is it low or is it high? Because if it's low, I find that I'm critical. If it's high, I find that it's not. So that's questions to ask if you are the one criticizing. But what if you're the one being negatively criticized? Unfairly, harshly, unsolicited negative criticism is coming your way. How do you respond if you are the person being negatively criticized? I'm going to say, firstly, the first and most important thing you need to ask the Holy Spirit to do is to give you a heart that does not harbor on those negative criticisms. And I don't, I don't say this flippantly, because it's not easy. When someone unfairly criticizes us, it, those criticisms bury themselves in our heart, and they're very difficult to get rid of. So, so, so ask the Holy Spirit to help you. Paul sets the example for us. <clears throat> Paul says to the followers in Corinth, he says, I care very little. If I'm judged by you or by any human court, indeed, I do not even judge myself. My, my conscience is clear, but that does not make me innocent. It is the Lord who judges me. What Paul says, he says, I care very little. He doesn't say I don't care at all. He says, I care very little. And he also makes allowance for the fact that actually the criticism may be right. He says, my conscience is clear, but that does not make me innocent. 
Like Paul, we have to learn to not in, internalize negative criticism. When it comes to these animals, uh, the cow and the crocodile, there's a significant difference. Okay, the obvious difference is that cows are delicious. But, but besides the fact that cows are just amazing animals that appear on our plates and taste amazing, there's a difference in how they eat. You see, crocodiles are completely incapable of chewing their food. Completely incapable. Crocodiles don't chew at all. They rip off a piece of meat, they swallow it, and it's gone. Zero chewing. Not so cows. Cows will chew their food for an extended period of time. They will chew, they will chew, they will chew, and then they will swallow. And then they'll vomit it up. And they will chew, and they will chew, and will chew. Then they will swallow, and then they will vomit it up. And then they will chew, and they will chew, and they will chew. Do you know how many times a cow will chew a single meal? It will take him eight hours to finally process a meal, and the cow will chew 30,000 chews. So here's my encouragement to you. Don't be a cow. Just don't be a cow. Be a crocodile. Be a crocodile. If I'm honest, I'm a cow. I will chew and ruminate on negative criticism, if you'll excuse the pun, until the cows come home. I'm a cow. It's exhausting. Don't be a cow. As hard as it is, Ask the Holy Spirit to help you not internalize negative criticism. We have to stop ourselves when we realize that we're mulling over and we're, we're, we're chewing over negative criticism. We have to learn to not hold on to harsh negative criticism. Do you know why? Because when we do, we become bitter. We become angry. And then what happens? We de develop a critical spirit. The author of Hebrews says this. He says, look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. Okay, so what? So what? I want to finish by giving you deliberate, practical action steps you can take. So I'm going to give you four scenarios very quickly. Four scenarios and two action steps for each one. So first scenario, you're the one giving constructive criticism. So the question you need to ask yourself first is, am I in a position to give this person constructive criticism? Am I in a position? Have they invited me into their lives? Do I know them well enough? Do I love them well enough to give them constructive criticism? Secondly, be humble. Recognize that you could give them constructive criticism, but there is a 100% chance that you also could receive constructive criticism from someone else. Second scenario, you're the one receiving constructive criticism. Firstly, listen. Just listen. Listen to what the person says. Secondly, put it into action. 
The person who's giving you constructive criticism has done it in order to be helpful, but it's only helpful if you do what is right. So listen and put it into action. Third scenario, you're the one receiving negative criticism. Firstly, do not throw the baby out with the bathwater. In the pile of dung that is negative criticism, there may be a, a nugget of gold. So take the pile of dung that has been dumped on your doorstep, separate through it, take out the gold nugget, wash your hands, and then turn the gold nugget into something beautiful. So, so don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Secondly, remember that hurting people hurt people. And so if someone comes and negatively criticizes you, pray for them. Pray for them. They probably need it. They're probably hurting. They're probably struggling. They're criticizing out of a place of darkness. So pray for them. Pray for them. Final scenario is what if you are the one giving negative criticism? Ask yourself this first. Is my criticism positive and productive? Or is it negative and destructive? Paul says this, he says, let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. So very often I, I hear the following. I hear someone come to criticize me. They say, this, this is constructive criticism I want to give you. And then their words are actually the opposite of constructive. It's neither good or helpful or encouraging. And here's the clincher. This is what I found in when people bring me negative criticism, or when I give negative criticism, is often I'll, I'll start off by saying, listen, I, I want to give you some constructive criticism. I want you to realize this. If you have to tell the person it's constructive criticism, it's probably not. Okay? If you have to say this is what it is, it's obviously not evident. So if you find yourself saying, I need to give you constructive criticism, remind yourself that it's probably not. And then secondly, before you deliver your intended criticism, pray for the person that you want to give it to. And then think about what you're going to say. And then pray for them again. And then think about what you're going to say. And then pray for them again. And then think about what you're going to say. And if you do this enough, maybe, just maybe, you may feel the Holy Spirit saying to your spirit, do you really think this is necessary? Do you really think you need to say this? Is this your job to say this? We are all prone to giving negative criticism. We are all guilty of giving negative criticism in the past. We will all give negative criticism at some point in the future. But here's the good news. Because of Jesus, our Heavenly Father deals with us not according to what we deserve. He doesn't look at us and say, negative critic, I'm coming down on you. 
Because of Jesus, our Heavenly Father deals with us out of His compassion, out of His grace, out of His mercy. And so, because of His grace and His mercy, forgiveness for our hurtful, devastating, destructive, negative criticism of others is always just a prayer away. Forgiveness is always just a prayer away. Father, we thank you indeed for your tremendous grace and mercy. And, and Father, we, we acknowledge and we recognize and we confess that you are the only one in a position to give criticism. We're not. We are not. And so we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would convict us and stop us from trying to give unhealthy, unnecessary, and ask for criticism. We also pray for those that we love, those who've invited us to provide or give constructive criticism. We, we, we thank you for that tremendous opportunity to, to be a part of their spiritual journey. Won't you help us to do that with grace and, and to bring light and hope? And then, Father, we thank you that, that, that our, the, the forgiveness that we need for being negative critics is, is available when you just ask of you because of your son, Jesus. And so we ask for forgiveness for those times that we have and will be negative critics of others. Thank you again for your grace and your mercy. In Jesus' name, amen.